Today's episode is sponsored by Live Theater. Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 29. Uh, today's guest is Anne Smith. Um, and this is a pretty exciting episode for me because this is the first time on this podcast where I uh, recorded with someone who I didn't really know um, before we actually sat down and chatted. So um, I, I give a, or we give a background of how uh, we met in the podcast, but I'll just give you a quick um a preview of that. So uh, in the summer, I went to go see this play called Southern Gothic that was put on by the Windy City Playhouse in Chicago. Uh, the play was an immersive play, which means as the play is happening, the audience gets to walk around the space. Uh, and it was a really cool experience. Uh, and Anne was fantastic in that play. Um, and after she ended up um, chatting with me uh, and my sister, and she was really nice and really cool. So I ended up um, reaching out to her on Facebook to see if she'd be interested in coming on the podcast. Um, and I had my people speak to her people, and voila, we have this podcast episode. I had a really nice time getting to know Anne, uh, and hopefully you enjoyed the conversation as well. Um, if you want to see Anne perform, um, she is in a brand new play called Welcome to Keene, New Hampshire. It's being produced by the Straw Dog Theater and runs Thursday through Sunday, April 16th to May 30th. Uh, if you want to learn more about the play, uh, get an idea of what the play is about, how to get ticket information, where it's going to be happening, please check out strawdog.org um, for all that play information. Um, for myself, uh, if you're in Chicago and you want to come see an improv show, you should come watch my team, Lucky Lucky. We perform every Friday at the Comedy Clubhouse at 8 o'clock. Um, this month in March, uh, I will be at three of our four shows, so March 6th, 13th and 27th, uh, I'll be performing with Lucky Lucky. Um, on the 20th, I will not be in town, um, but Lucky Lucky will be doing a show, so please check it out if you are in town. Um, also, follow me on Instagram at Mr. Rotor's Neighborhood. Um, you can get clips of shows, uh, clips of the podcast, information on when my shows are going to happen, uh, and then other fun stuff as well. Um, so please hit me with that follow. Um, other than that, Onto the episode. Today's episode was recorded on October 22nd, 2019. Welcome to Mr. Rotor's neighborhood. it to someone as a as a gift when I had to pay back a debt of uh, at work where we were betting on sports or something and I uh, gave them that wine and I don't think they liked it very much but it's still (laughs) it's still my favorite what did you like about it it is um 
good. <laughs> um, it's got a little bit of a like a sweetness to it. Yeah. Um, this one is not as sweet. I wish it was a little sweeter. Not sweet, but this one's pretty. Uh, I like the I like Italian wines. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, we generally shop within that eight to thirteen dollar range, unless yeah. you can find, you know. A four buck truck that you really like, but you, you should so. see my cousin at Binnie's. What he does is he, uh, he, I tell him all the time that he has all the skills necessary to be a uh, murderer. He just doesn't have that switch in his head to <laughs> kill because he's like really nice and people like him, and he's really good at like just conversing with people to like. Yeah build rapport that people trust him and so with wine he just doesn't want to murder them with wine he, um, <laughs> he'll, uh, he'll be like uh, he'll talk to people about like what they like what they're looking for their price range yeah. and then just take them to the like range of wine my right. friend goes to visit him and then just will spend an hour that's great just talking yeah. to him about wine it's like that's people have given him tips that's wonderful people have invited him to, to their home yeah. Just regular like customers are like, come That's have amazing. dinner with us. It's wild. Yeah, I, I I would love for my dad to like you you know take that leap in retirement. Right now he he's newly retired, so he hasn't gone there yet. But he was talking about how he wants to work at a at a place like Benny's. You know, he lives in Tucson now uh, with his wife, and you know I'm sure he's getting bored. But at some point, I think he'll want to part-time job and that's what he would love to do because he's says super into wine and he'd be really good at that like leading people to the right you know he can talk for days yeah about wine or yeah. just about anything because he's like master bullshitter i mean he just <laughs> didn't make it up if he doesn't know and you can't tell i've figured out so many things he's just oh he's Did your dad lied to you most of his life yeah, <laughs> yeah that's funny uh cheers cheers Thank you if for you this. don't like it, I'm not offended. No, I, I will never... Pull it I was, out of the wine rack. I will never tell you if I hated it. I'm very Oof. appreciative of if someone cooks me dinner. Um, or I, like your father, will lie, will lie to you too. <laughs> and tell you that I love this. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. All right. The voice you hear on the other end is Ann Smith. Did Hi. I pronounce that correctly? Yes. Yeah, cool. <laughs> great, great, great. Um, I will give you a little bit of a backstory. So I... Uh, went to go see a play called Southern Gothic that's held in Chicago. Um, and Anne was uh, in that play. And Southern Gothic uh, is an immersive play. And an immersive play means that the audience got to stand around on the sides and wander through the space as the performers did their thing. Uh, and it was really cool. And um, Anne talked to me and my sister um, after, and she seemed really nice. And so then I messaged her on Facebook and asked if she wanted to be on this podcast. And here she is. Yes. Um, right. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for asking me thank to you. come on. Yeah. I um, maybe you can describe what <laughs> Southern Gothic is a little better um, than I can. I figured I'd yeah. give a light intro and then you can. Yeah. Um, it is what I would say. Uh, feels like you've been dropped into a Tennessee Williams play, sort of Tennessee Williams drama that has a lot of uh, booze and uh, uh, salty language and <laughs> just people, you know, losing it by the end, disintegrating by the end of the play. Um, but it's 
quite funny. There's lots of opportunity there for laughs, and there's lots of, of um, uh, opportunities for the audience to walk around, and basically you come in to a house that has been built inside the theater, and you have areas you can sit uh, on around the edges of the rooms that are for the audience, and you just stay away from the furniture that's in the center of the room so that the actors can do their thing. And we are not looking at you. Uh, we might look through you, but we're, you are ghosts in our minds. You are not there. And um, I would equate it to acting for the camera, uh, where an actor has to ignore the boom operator and you know the camera itself even and all of the crew and everyone in the room watching the scene um, similarly the audience is really close to us and pretty much walking through our space as we are unfolding this story that is in the structure of a party we are celebrating my birthday at my brother's house and um, and we are basically uh, you know partying in all the different rooms and as audience you're going through the rooms to catch the conversations that are happening and trying to figure out what's going on and I think it's a lot of fun for people because uh, you know, it's a choose-your-own-adventure. So when you get out of it, uh, you may find that uh, you caught specific, you know, facts about the story and picked up on certain clues. Certainly things that are really important to the plotline are said maybe seven different times in the play so that those tidbits are picked up by... have a higher, you know, have a... Uh, are able to be picked up by the audience. But otherwise, um, you know, you may miss a lot of things, and that's okay uh, because you're going to get enough of it to walk away feeling like you got something. And, yeah. and I think that's what people really enjoy, and I notice that there are a lot of people who don't normally see theater who come out to see this show, and that's kind of exciting too. I, I, I really appreciate that this show is able to do that and um, introduce someone or encourage someone to be at a live performance. I think there really is something to like, and that was also a great description about basically uh, better than what I would have <laughs> described it as. Um, uh, I, th- I think there is something to live performance that is so um, intense that I love. Um, uh, and I think like the... I've never done um, a, an immersive play like improv shows have uh, that t- t- to some degree like the audience is there and we kind of wander around but I've never um, like been a part of, of something that's as fully immersive as Southern Gothic and so to like uh, know that that kind of theater exists I think is so cool I think for the audience it's like even for myself I was like I'm kind of nervous like it's a little I don't know what's about to happen like are they gonna talk to me or like what like just it's it's a i think it's such a cool experience for some people to be able to get to like be a part of i think it's awesome that stuff like that exists it's cool to see just like what the next level of performance 
can be like and it was it was really cool the the reason i actually got tuned into um immersive theater too was um i went to see sleep no more in uh new york oh yeah i wish Um, i i I want to see it. Uh, Sleep No More is uh, an immersive play that takes place in this gigantic warehouse. And you, as the audience, wear these uh, masks and the performers are the performers. And you just kind of wander around and follow characters around and run after characters that are just one guy murders someone and then he's running away. And so you're like chasing. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) holy shit. It's so crazy. Uh, And this was uh, just there was like one point where uh, my sister was in the like kitchen and I'm in some other room and I'm watching her watch what's happening in the room that she's but I can't actually see what's happening and so you get these like really cool little um vantage points of little things happening that it feels like you're basically like a fly on the wall of like right, some stuff that you're not yeah, yeah that's yeah it was awesome yeah and I, I noticed with southern gothic people return uh and see it multiple times um there's a woman who has seen the show maybe 16 times, and um, she's coming to the final show as well. We are closing at the end of October, which is that uh, in like yep in like a week. Okay, well this episode yep. will unfortunately not be out before <laughs> we cannot promote your show. Oh but, darn! But well, it has now ended. Okay. That's oh, that's crazy! Right. I didn't know that. Well, we didn't either. You know, um, you know they they make their decisions on a month to month basis based on ticket sales and their future. Uh, plans, and though I don't know all the details of why you know they chose this timing, this you know peer, you know the end of October is their last date. I do know that it's an expensive show to run, and they have to kind of really pay close attention to their expenses while they're trying to produce new shows, and oh. they are working on new things as we speak, and they have. Uh, new things coming up and they have a new show upstairs so I think that there may be a lot of um, a lot of things pulling on their expenses gotcha. but I think when it comes down to it they're looking at that and saying yeah maybe it's time and this has been a two-year period I mean over 600 performances of this play so this theater company uh, has yeah thousands of audience members have seen this production and they have uh, made around a million dollars in ticket sales uh, since they opened this in January of 2018. Cool. I've been telling people when I went to go see it, I was like, I don't know how long this is going to last for. Yeah. But you should probably go and watch it. Because it, like you were saying, like uh, people who don't see theater, people who do see theater, even if you see a lot of theater, this is, I think, very different than some Broadway play where you're on stage and there's no like really sort of interaction. And not that you guys are interacting, but like the first uh, I was sitting in a corner um, and someone was putting something up on the wall. And oh, yeah. Like, I sort of shifted because I was kind of in their way. And I was like, oh, this is... And I could... <laughs> I almost felt like everyone was staring at me. I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like, yeah. people should experience that. I think it's... I've had... Like, even with improv shows, I've had people tell me they don't come to improv shows because they get nervous about that. Oh, yeah. Potent- about potentially being, you know, brought up on stage Just or asked interact. to do something. Yeah, or, I think yeah. you should embrace mm-hmm. embrace that feeling it's fun you come out like at the end of it um uh, there's this some i don't want to spoil anything there's emotional stuff that happens and 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 my sister we were both like oh i got a little teary it's like it's cool you get really wrapped up in this you sort of it we're right in your face it's like awesome 
Yeah, and that's just it. I think that the um, the storytelling of this play, to me, it doesn't necessarily say anything new. It's not groundbreaking in that regard. But there's something about it that feels deeper or fresher because you're immersed in it. And so the level of empathy that you experience in that environment is just more than a typical proscenium staged play with a with a definite sort of fourth wall yeah. uh, between you and, and the audience. And I think that is what I think um, keeps people or kept people coming back uh, was that sense of just being able to really surprisingly feel more than they expected. Yeah. About anything about what a person said or about that person you know um and so it took less in terms of the storytelling to be unique or or wild or or surprising or shocking it took less of that it didn't need that in order for it to have that similar impact on the audience and that's what's fascinating about the genre i suppose of theater of this immersive genre and and i think um it's being played with a lot now around the country in in small theaters big theaters around the country but i mean it's it's peppered about it's not something that you can find around every corner just yet was that your first uh is this your first uh experience doing immersive type i I actually uh did my first one just right before that in the fall of uh, 2018 and uh, I it was different because we did interact with the audience what, were you, uh, what was the play uh, it was called Mask Macabre and it's with uh, was with Straw Dog Theatre Company and they devised the play themselves they wrote the play themselves with the actors involved in the workshopping process and it and it and it started a very different it was a very different play in the beginning grew into something completely different by the end and the actors went through every iteration it was wild before they opened it and so i i say it like i wasn't in it because i wasn't until they were about three days from previews three or four days from previews and they asked me to step in for an actress who um had a, a loss in the family and had to leave to go be with them and so she couldn't do the show, and and they called me in a in a hurry in a midnight. I get a call. <laughs> I mean, I know them, so yeah. you know, midnight wasn't crazy. My friends call me at midnight. Was, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not happy. I don't want people calling me at midnight. I was a little stunned. You yeah. Know? All right. What's what's that going to be about? So <laughs> I took the call, and um and sh- it, it, yeah, so it was a little crazy for me to say yes because, uh. There was a lot to learn very quickly, not just lines, but it was also just this whole new experience of having to stay on track with your scenes, scripted, um, but also weave in improv that made sense to go along with the scene so that you could include audience members yeah and if they come up to you and start talking to you and try telling you something that's going on in another room that you're not supposed to know you have to think quickly about how you're going to avoid really 
I don't know, comprehending it or allowing it to affect the plot, you know, and all of that. So it was really an interesting challenge. I really enjoyed it. Um, And we all wore half masks, including the audience members. So everyone had a sense of, of... of an anonymity, yeah, you know, and um, of course you could tell we were the actors. We were in costume. We had lines. We were performing. Gotcha. And you you could walk up into the scene and stand right next to me and listen to what I was saying to someone else. Um, and other people stayed back and watched, you know. But then I would ask someone to dance with me, and then I would tell them and only them certain information. Cool. And so this was much more of a. Kind of like trying to, everyone's trying to figure out a, a sort of a, a mystery of trying to figure out what's going on um, along with the characters in this play. Yeah. So um, there was what felt like uh, almost like an escape room. It wasn't an escape room because you could, you could leave any time, but there were clues sort of hidden throughout the room uh, that the audience members were asked to help this person, this actor, find Uh, for instance cool so like yeah there were always really cool rooms and it was just a really neat experience and something that I didn't plan on and suddenly I was in this and I'm we're opening and I'm going what is happening (laughs) why do I have a mask on Um, and yeah but it was it was fun and and then from that um, the assistant or the director uh, one of the directors of that play um, is the assistant director of Southern Gothic and so he knew, uh, after meeting me, I think he thought, well, she's a good, she'd be good for this part in Southern Gothic if they're looking for more people moving forward, which they always were. You know, it's definitely had, I mean, eight or nine iterations of casts over the couple of years. Okay. You know, people come and go, they do three-month contracts and move on. And so they're always sort of uh, rotating in new actors and auditioning them on a rotation almost. And so I think he just knew that rotation was still in play and he didn't tell me anything, but I got a call from my agent and they said, we have an audition for you if you're interested. So I went and later I tapped him and said, hey, if you had anything to do with me getting that audition, thanks so much. (laughs) (laughs) And he kind of confessed that, you know, he he had me in mind, but... uh, I still had audition for different people. Yeah, he sure. wasn't there for that. But, I loved um, your character. Your character was like loud and boisterous, or is yeah. loud and boisterous, and like I thought the she's yeah she kind of is what uh, what did the writers call her or to- a tornado? And Suzanne that she, Well, Suzanne, yeah, Suzanne Wellington. Wellington. She is the person who it's her fortieth birthday. Yeah, and um, she's already coming in with an agenda she has an agenda she comes in hot she's, she's ready to yeah. like roll yeah like just like the <laughs> really it's like like the sort of a focal point to somebody it's like look at me people very much so she's the center of attention and she hopes and wants to be the life of the party and whether or not she it really is yeah yeah, <laughs> she yeah, yeah. stirs the pot that's for sure and pokes the bear all those metaphors um but i think she's uh at the end of the day, um, really just misguided mis- and misunderstood. Uh, and that's fun to play because she gets to have her moment at the end that reveals what her motivation really is and why she is acting the way she's acting. Yeah. 
you know, so when that's revealed, then, you know, it's like you have that opportunity to, to change your mind about whether or not you, uh, really like Suzanne. Yeah. Although people, you know, do say that they like her anyway. Some people do. Some people think she's a horrible, horrible person. <laughs> I could see that. I mean, it's a very, like, abrasive personality. Or not even abrasive, just an in-your-face personality yeah. that you come in with that I could... Be some, right. That, that, yeah, I did not feel like... Uh, I didn't hate her, but it, I could definitely... I In my head, I was like, that person... If I would knew them in real life, I would probably be like, okay, cool. I'm going to cool. keep you there. Yeah, exactly. I got you over there and I'm keeping you at a distance. And I'm, I'm that way. You know, I can be that way too. I'm like, you know, I don't need drama. So like, cool. You're really fun, but <laughs> you could just, uh, I'll get you in small doses. Yeah, yeah. exactly. No, that was. Um... Um, but yeah, so I uh, totally, I, I never take it personally one way or the other. I think that she is not supposed to be uh i don't play her to be liked uh i play her to be uh well i play her to try and get the things she wants if that makes sense and that may make her at moments funny and ridiculous and completely in a bubble in her own you know world but other times it it makes her um almost uh, you know sympathetic and kind of sad and kind of you feel bad for her sometimes. So it's, she's kind of a huge array of, of, yeah. of things. Yeah, um, for sure. And it just depends on, yeah, what your perception of her is when you walk in, you're like, oh, I know that type. And <laughs> she is a type that I think some people are like immediately latch on to. They know. Yeah. Um, I think it's cool that they gave her really the... the it it's was a, a really, nice arc. It is yeah, a really nice arc. Because there is like a very yeah. a warm moment where it's like, okay. Yeah. Maybe yeah. not that <laughs> okay, terrible. Yeah. Right. <laughs> How do you guys... <laughs> practice or like rehearse for the oh. people in your space or knowing people yeah. are going to be uh that close to you you well there quite honestly with this production uh there was no with southern gothic there there isn't really a rehearsal process much of a rehearsal process at all uh let's put it this way the the first time it was uh put up on its feet they had a normal rehearsal process with the director and rehearsal room and they did their thing and they figured out and I think they also had to go through rewrites so they went through that kind of a um, growing pain but then once it was open then as they brought in new actors with new contracts to replace other actors um, they they kind of took on this model of using uh, allowing the actors to learn the part like they are, are an understudy and so you just come in and watch the play and hopefully you have enough time with the script and having watched the play to um, get a sense of what you need to be doing, where you need to be, your blocking as well as your motivation, that you're, gl- that you're getting enough from that so that you can jump on your feet and do it. And we, I had um, myself and three other actors were brand new to the scene, to the play July 1st of this year. And oh, that's yeah. And so we pretty were pretty soon when we saw you. I think yeah. Trying, okay. I it was yeah. sometime sometime in July. July or yeah. August. Sometime yeah. In the summertime. So probably yeah. Within your first like few months. Yeah. Like, and wow. I and I was hired. You know, toward the end of May, but my contract didn't start till June. I got the I got the script sometime after the first or second week of June. So I had maybe two to three weeks to really 
learn my lines, and watch the play so that I could come in one time with the stage manager just privately to write down the blocking, to get the actual blocking from her. So just kind of when you say this line, you're picking up your wine glass here and you're walking over to the punch bowl and you're doing this. So it just got that kind of technical stuff written in my script and I'd go home and practice it again. I'd be up on my feet just kind of walking my own living room and just pretending the couch is over here and the dining room's over here and and just have, putting my husband through it. So he had to be like everybody else. And that was really funny because cool. he's an actor as well. Ah, sweet. Uh, and so he wanted to do the dialects and everything. And it was just like, dude, you need to speed up. It's, like, it's Southern. I'm like, yeah, they need to be fast. New York Southerns. Okay. I was going to go. Come on, come on. Just give me my cue. But he had fun. He had fun. And, um, and so I would do that, and then I came in, and we had one sort of partial rehearsal, meaning we had the stage manager on book for maybe three or four of the characters, and then three or four of us were there to basically run the play, like a rehearsal. And then we had a put-in, and the put-ins are, you know, full-on costume. It's a dress rehearsal. Okay. And you just do it with the cast that you're going to do it with. That's your put-in. And uh, and then the next day we did it in front of an audience. So that was it. That's the rehearsal process. And that's been very similar for most of the actors coming into this show. And I don't know how they figure out who to cast because I think understudying is a special skill in and of itself to be good at it, to be able to uh, be good enough to pass as if you were casting that all along yeah, uh, and pull it off with your fellow, you know, actors on stage with little to no real rehearsal. Yeah. Like that is a skill that I find a lot of actors will say they don't have or they don't want to be tested to find out if they have it. It sounds like you're being tested on your just like, Ability right. to listen yeah. really well and yeah. pay attention and take notes and right. absorb and then absorb and pretend what it would be like if you're out there all yeah. at the same time. Wow, yeah. It's wild, but there is something really lovely about the experience of being in this immersive world. I thought it would throw me off more, but in fact, it made me more focused on my scene partners than I'd ever be Yeah, because they were my lifeline and... So if I could find their eyes, if I could find them and lock in, yeah. then the rest of the world could go away. And I don't have to worry about upstaging myself because the audience is everywhere. I don't have to constantly think, oh, cheat, 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 cheat over here. Point, you know, Make sure they can hear you over there. Yeah. I never had to worry about any of that. So really being able to shut the audience out to some degree uh, makes you feel safer in such a v- sort of volatile sort of process of, you know, trial by fire or whatever, baptism by fire. Yeah. You know, um, and so what can I say? It was about a, maybe four or five performances before the blinders started to come off and I could start to see audience members <laughs> in my periphery. Cool. Uh, and not 
freak out because you know it's just you don't want anybody to throw you off it's yeah. like oh please no no <laughs> catch my eye or anything because i just monologue through that show i just tell story upon story and i don't stop talking and those are scripted then, the stories that's are all saying. scripted okay, yeah cool yeah there are a few moments i mean they they have to build in areas to ad lib so that they can keep the timing of the play aligned with other scenes so gotcha. if one scene's slower in the dining room you can't rush past that because they're going to have to come into the living room and be part of the next scene. Gotcha. So you have to have cushion to, yeah, to wait for them, basically. Cool. And uh, and so, yeah, it's clever. It's very clever. And, and Windy City Playhouse has gotten, uh, this was their first attempt, and I think it, it kind of blew open the door on, on their mission, and the, rethinking their mission and going, huh, I think we should really commit to this idea of immersive theater. And yeah. so from then on, they started to build immersive theater into their year. And now it seems like every show they do is going to have that element built in. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So I would encourage anyone listening to this to just come out to a Windy City Playhouse production. Yeah. Because they'll get that experience. It'll be a different story, but they'll get the immersive cool. theater experience. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I love that. I, uh... Uh, like with, with improv shows that we do where the audience is just sort of to the to our back and we're there um there is a part of me in my brain that like i, I focus like when people i actually think uh people think like doing at least from the improv side like i think people think it's a lot scarier than it actually is and it's yeah. like what i try to tell them is like i don't really see the audience for the most part like i'm so focused in on my scene partner and we have the luxury of them being on one side they're not floating around everywhere like yours is yeah. sort of like black belt type stuff but it's just like <laughs> i don't really see the audience that much like and yeah. if i and now I'm, i've been doing it for five years so i'm at a better place now where if oh, i yeah. look at an audience it's not going to ruin me for a while like right if I stared at an audience member's face and they looked a little sad or whatever, like it still impacts me, but it's not going to ruin everything that's happening. But it's like it, it, the, the, the scene part, looking at the person you're on stage with, I find to be very valuable for the improv end. And so I yeah. imagine with your guys too, it's like helpful Absolutely. as a, to ground you. Totally. And you know, half of the cast had done it before, you know, some were new, but they were returns. You know, they had come back after a break or whatever. And so, and some had been in it up to that point. So it, it, they they knew the show well enough to kind of help save you if if you did, you know, kind of blank or have a moment of like, where am I? Who am I supposed to be talking to? I remember the what? first show I did, I, I really was like, I don't know who to look at right now. <laughs> well, there's so much, there's so Forgotten much like happening. Just like there's... <laughs> You guys are all, it's like, yeah, like you said, like it's a first floor of a home. There's a yeah. kitchen and a kitchen and a dining room and a living room mm -hmm. and then an outside patio yeah. and then a bathroom with no windows. And so there's all these like things and people are moving and you guys are moving and it's, it's, yeah. uh, this sort of free flowing thing. And I, yeah, I don't, it's cool yeah. that it's, it's cause like, it's so, um, f flawless. Like when you're watching it from the audience and it's like, right. there's nothing that, happened that didn't seem like it wasn't supposed to happen like everything and, was yeah everything yeah and yeah. it's really cool because i'm sure you guys are improvising with every show and there's something that didn't go the way that it did or someone had to help or whatever it was but it's like it's just this beautiful flowing thing that yeah well good i mean that's the hope you know yeah and i think yeah it just 
Yeah, we really bonded well as a cast, as an ensemble, and I think that helped a lot. Just you know, we just gel well, and um, and so that helps because we trust each other. And as you know, is in in improv, you just have to be able to trust your your scene partners. You have to be able to trust that they're going to be there, and they're they're going to make you the most important, your character, the most important person in the room. Yeah, and you're going to make them the most important person in the room. Yeah, and if you both are doing that, then you both are going to be there for each other. Yeah, the whole, the whole time. It's. Did you do any improv or like have you had any improv I have, training? Like I up? don't. I mean, I did some improv in college. I had to take improv, but I never enjoyed it as a performance in and of itself. I like it in the context of a play or something like that, where there are definite guardrails, where there's a definite goal, a, a unified goal. Yeah. Um, and I can stay in character and I can just, I don't have to worry about being funny or being clever. I can just serve the scene and whatever I do to kind of bridge it to the next moment in that improv moment is acceptable as long as it's about the story and about the people in the scene with me rather than about me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like that because it, 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 to me, it, it's it's a natural place for me to go with improv. I think I would be well. I have. I've been on the road like with a company that did a lot of corporate entertainment, meaning they write, write scripts for different corporations, and um, they also did. Uh, they had two tracks: a corporate tr- uh, entertainment sort of thing where you kind of cater the script to. Uh, the corporations inside jokes and products and all of that and it's it's entertainment but it's also sort of i don't know uh team building for the employees to watch right you know and then uh the other track being um uh edu- it, it's sort of educational but mostly entertainment letting teachers blow off steam so teachers throughout the country who uh you know are going through the similar challenges you know unfunded mandates and you know just uh gross out humor uh with the kids and and uh, faculty lounge gossip and all that right and so there were scripted uh works that this company put out and i did this for like 17 years with them 15 to 17 years where every year I do a number of, of, of trips out to different states, towns all over the country. I even went to Singapore to do five days there. Yeah, cool. and it was fascinating. But there are always moments of improv built in. And their improv was much more like, we're going to do a game. You okay, know, gotcha. right? Yeah. So we're going to get an audience member up here and then we're going to take suggestions. And so much more like com- comedy sports. And uh, I dreaded it. Oh, I dreaded it so much. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I, you know, I might have been funny like 20% of the time. The rest of the time I was like, just say whatever and move on. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> I would and I just could move on. It would always kind of like, you know, kind of dud out. You mm. know, it's just like I was such a dud. But. I, because I was just freaking out, like, I'm not clever enough to do the, um, and so there was that anxiety, but I always thought, you know, I've got to get back to, um, taking classes and stretching myself that way, because I don't like feeling worried or scared of something, especially in the world of performance. It's like, get over it. If it's something that feels like a roadblock, 
attack it, get yeah. on that, you know, just do it, get, yeah. get in there and face it. So there is a part of me who wants to get back over there to do classes, but I've been more practical with the classes I've been taking because I know I want to pursue like more film and TV. So I take on camera classes or I gotcha. take, you know what I mean? Gotcha. I voice over, you know, stuff that you're not like fresh out of college and just trying to take an improv <laughs> class to like, right. explore. But, it, but, it, but there's nothing wrong with it. Like no, I said, I, mean, sure. I think people at all ages and all professions are taking improv for, for different reasons, but ultimately the same goal, which is just to be more comfortable with, uh, you know, shooting from the hip and being yourself and being, you know, uh, ready to receive yeah information and and quickly process and you know interpret it and no, it's like totally. it's just this like great um i think it's a great skill to have and a wonderful um learning experience about yourself that's and, you know exactly why i tell basically everyone i speak to ever that they need to take improv like and i know that's not for everybody but a right. lot of what you just said it's like it's made me um, so I've been doing long form improv for the last f- five years and everybody mm-hmm. that I ever speak to knows that fact comes out of my mouth first before I tell them I'm a pharmacist or anything yeah. else. But uh, a lot of it has been like, I was not a performer growing up. I was terrified of it and I hated it and hated presentations and all sorts of stuff. And like, it's been this v- very interesting transition, uh, or sort of eye-opening experience in my life of like being okay with uncertainty and that's all improv is we go up on stage and there's we don't know anything that's about to happen over the next 20 minutes and it's like it's fine we'll be okay we got each other and we have our own selves and it'll be cool and that has transitioned into life of just being okay with entering into this room and not knowing what's about to happen and knowing that it'll probably be fine you have the skill sets there as long as you are confident i guess in yourself a little bit and like you like you you'll be able to piece it together mm-hmm. um and th- i think that's so important for like a lot of people we're, we're going through this new transition at work where we're basically building this new department and we're working with a group um that's uh we're working with a group that we don't normally work with a different department and this department likes to have stuff very planned out and yeah. we are like and i'm more like we can't, we can't plan everything out. We don't even know what we're doing. How can we create like charts and delineations of responsibilities when we're trying to figure this out? So why don't we sort of kind of learn as we go? Yeah. Uh, and it, it's this is like I don't know if I would have before. I don't know if I'd be okay with that. I, yeah. I I kind of like the uncertainty, and I'm trying to starting to embrace it. Yeah, big time. Yeah. I think it's so fun. Well, and freeing, really. Big time. Yeah. I mean, it opens you up for discovery. That I mean discovery of ideas that are much more interesting much more out of the box much more surprising than if you're trying to control every step of the process yeah i mean i think that's part of it it's just you know it it opens you up for opportunities like that and yeah i think it's good it's good to kind of you know release and not have to control every yeah second of your day and every second of your process you know what i i I thought was interesting you were saying that like this is something that you're kind of like hesitant towards doing or scared of and it's really interesting to like hear that because when like if if anyone sees you perform you are like you're a beast on stage it was so like (laughs) powerful to watch it's like how can this person be scared of anything it's really cool and interesting to just kind of like like i realized that when i started just doing shows and watching performers these people who were like huge characters on stage they come off and they're just kind of like quiet and small and not these grand people and it was like oh like 
there's so much power on stage and these people are also regular people right. who yeah i mean have... i i would say that my i'm i i probably sound more measured and more you know even keel now but after half you know a bottle of wine i might <laughs> uh, no um i i am i am kind of goofy and silly um but yes uh this character is much larger than me and and you know but it's a, a wonderful outlet for all of that energy I mean, she's definitely in there. Uh, I find parts of me to modify, and and I have you know an understanding of what where that's all coming from. So it gives me a lot to work with. It's fun. It's fun to be uh, in someone else's shoes. Yeah. And that's I think for me the reward of doing uh, theater uh, it's scripted around characters that are fleshed out is that it, it puts me in different people's shoes and it forces a, a certain amount of empathy out of me that um i don't know just makes me feel closer to humanity it makes me feel closer to uh our uh, people and yeah. uh and i feel like uh yeah my heart just feels bigger as i get older doing this and and i want it to continue to feel that way i want to continue to learn and always be a student in life and this gives me a window into that a different kind of window yeah but i love i shouldn't say love i must thrive off of facing challenges i think i thrive off of a certain amount of stress and fear and overcoming it there's something really exciting and something that I probably have become more doing more now than I used to because I've seen that the more you do that, the more you reinforce the fact that you're going to be okay. Yeah. Same here. I've had and, that same and I've, that transition has been yes. happening. I've been telling people like, I feel like the relationship with fear has shifted a little bit where right. I now kind of control. I still get scared, yeah. um, but it's like, it doesn't stop me. I now use that to drive me, me towards this scary thing. And That's then That's exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yes. I totally mean that. Yeah. And I, and I find it exciting now. If I'm scared of something, I ask myself why, and then I just kind of want to go toward it. And, um, you know, if it's not like, you know, I'm scared of it because, you know, my survival's at risk if I, you know, don't pay attention to that, then sure. go the other way. You're but, not driving you know. with your eyes closed. Right, you're, right, right. You're like an actual, yeah. <laughs> that we all accept. Yeah. It's dangerous, yeah. but yeah. But it is, it's something that just, you know, is, um, becomes more and more of a thrill and, uh, and a challenge versus a fear. You know, those things can become... They're very close to together. There's a very fine line between all of those things. They, so, absolutely. Yeah. I just, I like, I have to be careful sometimes when people tell me they're scared of something. Oh, presenting yeah. or just like, uh, my mom was like, I don't really like talking to new people. It makes me kind of uncomfortable or being in new situations. I was going to go to this like conference for a few days and I didn't know anyone at the conference. And I was like, whatever, I'll just, I'm sure I'll meet people and it'll be cool. And my mom was like, I don't know if I would do that. Yeah. I was like, you, you 
can. You just <laughs> have to. Like all these things are terrifying. Presenting is terrifying if you haven't done it in five years. But if you've done it every day, then it's a lot less or a little less terrifying. Or you Absolutely. at least know how to sort of better manage that fear. Right. But you have to like sort of over, at least for me it's been an overload of like how do i force being in front of people because for whatever reason i wanted to get rid of that feeling like i remember like when i was in high school i used to get so nervous on presentations like i would shake and i couldn't be natural and loose and like i almost said off stage but like not when i'm not doing the presentation i would like be loose and after the presentation i feel fine and yeah. in the middle part the actual presentation i was not loose i was tight and sweaty and shaky and i was like that sucks yeah. and so it took me a long time to get to the point to be like we just have to yeah just do things that force you to be in front of people and that sort of over uh what is it called when you um stimulate yeah, like overstimulator. Like if you're scared of spiders, go lie in a bed of spiders. Oh, like, sure. Aversion like, therapy. Yeah, whatever yeah. it is. Like just do more of the thing that you hate <laughs> sure. and eventually like it'll, you'll come out on the other end. And that's yeah. what sort of it's been for me. And it's just like you have, there's power in that shit. Why not learn how to a have that power? Absolutely. Yeah. I've gotten so much out of it and I do feel, you know, it just, it, I think it, what it does is then it makes you just feel more confident that your life is, you're going to be okay. Right? I mean, at the end of the day, I think the big message is I'm going to be okay no matter what life kind of throws at me. I'm pretty resourceful. I'll think on my feet and I'll figure this out. Yeah. And I think that reinforcing, it reinforces that feeling in your, in your, in your mind. And you, I don't know, are more receptive then to the world because you're not afraid of it, so many things in it. And I, I think that's, I mean, not to get too political, but I think that's part of why we are where we are right now is because of a lot of unchallenged fear of the other and of the world and of unknown things and of, you know, um, and I, it, it's too bad because uh, at the end of the day, when I've, you know, I have people in my life or family members or whomever who seem very... Um, quick to judge or be very kind of closed off, closed minded about their, uh, worldview. They, at the end of the day, to me are limiting their happiness. They're limiting their experience of life and they're limiting, you know, the, their own expression. Yeah. And I just, feel bad for him at, at, at the end of it all you know i'm like wow that's too bad it's too bad you feel like that <laughs> it sucks i feel like yeah you're limiting your own capacity for how much you could love or like learn like yeah. there's so much more you can learn about other people that will hopefully impact your sort of understanding of larger groups of people like it's mm -hmm. yeah I, I i totally agree with that i think you know it's been like like i, I was telling you before we started recording like that's kind of why one of not the only reason that I do this podcast, but I think part of that is like, wouldn't it be better if we spoke to people who are whatever, like basically everyone I've talked to in, in some degree is like-minded in that, like, I don't know, just, I haven't really had a conversation with anyone who I like hate right? yet. Yeah. Well, we'll see at the end of this, but <laughs> <laughs> we will let the end of this episode decide <laughs> if we like each other. But like, for the most part, it's still like people who are sort of my friends or in, in some sort of we are sort of seeing eye to eye, but it's still like you're very different from I am. We are two different yeah. individuals. And so isn't that how 
stuff gets better, I think. I mean, one of the ways is like try to learn what it's like. You're talking about being in the, like someone else's shoes. Like, I think that's so valuable. So one of the exercises uh, I do, so I was telling you, I teach improv to medical students. So one of the exercises yeah. we do, which is you've probably done too, it's it's called walk like a, it's a very simple exercise where like mm-hmm. you have everyone walk around in the room and then you have one person tell them to embody different characters. So like, oh, sure. the exercise I do with these students, it's uh, ultimately the goal is to kind of put them in someone else's shoes, have them sort of understand that like emotions can change your physicality and one emotion one event is not the same emotion so like i have them play this one character and i say that your parents just got divorced whatever that means for you yeah do that and so you'll get like this last class i had one girl uh, one of the students was like i got really sad and then this other student was like well actually i initially got sad and then i thought about my parents divorce and i was like you know what it's actually better like go live your life this is a happier household or whatever and it's like it's important for them and anyone to realize like these are everyone doesn't feel emotion the same way like it's a bit i think that stuff is super valuable and i want to try and do anything i can to make myself at least more open-minded and not be closed off and these sorts of conversations and improv and all those things are really like help force my brain to have to do that yeah and accept like other people live other ways yeah and it's so enriching you know yeah such an enriching experience to I now I, I you know even after these shows, and not all the cast members are quite like this, but it's also probably reinforced by the fact that I'm you know my my muggle job as we like to call them yeah. uh, has been <laughs> um, uh, in the world of nonprofit development or fundraising and and that I I've done that not quite as long as I've been an actor but uh, for quite a while a couple decades and I've leverage that into becoming a consultant for nonprofit organizations who need help with their fundraising development, planning, analysis, uh, training, all of that. So everywhere from capital campaigns to, um, you know, training board members, how to ask for money that all of that. No way. And so, yeah. What's ma- the company? Um, well, I work for Tremolin Watkins and Brandt. We're oh. a mid-sized, um, a consulting firm. Cool. And we work with nonprofits all over the country, but a lot of Chicago and Midwest companies naturally since we're here, but we have offices in, in LA and Milwaukee as well. And it's been three years now that I've been with them and I've loved it. I loved it so much because it's such a variety of, of challenges and, and unique uh, and missions and I just, oh, it's so cool. And I love meeting new people and figuring out how they work and what they're doing and I learn all the time again I've chosen two professions that require me to be a student for the rest of my life and I love it I think that's how you that's how I want to be you know same here same here I I, uh I want to be in a position where I like I'm never set with the the knowledge base that I have like I think it's very um so like I did uh uh, I did a six-year direct uh, program with pharmacy school. So basically at 18, oh, cool. I knew at 24, I was going to be a pharmacist. Um, so like I knew I was going to, I was already accepted into pharmacy school and, and everything. And like, I think that had, had the potential to set you up where it's like, cool, 24, you're a pharmacist, mm-hmm. just do this now and just coast. And and you kind of can, you can sort of create this um, world where like you go to work and you, um earn a nice living and then you can live your life and then that you don't have to do anything else and I, I think that that can be kind of problematic because you'll create this like world that 
is sort of closed off. And I, I don't right. want that. I don't want that, like, I don't want to say stability, but I want to con- sort of constantly be um, sort of my information be upended or learn new stuff to change and impact right. me. And as yeah. I hopefully continue to grow as an individual, I, this is also yeah. one of my goals too. Absolutely. And so, yeah, so I think what that did is it, it opened up my eyes to networking, right? The power of networking, mm. the power of your network, the power of not being afraid to step into a room where you know no one and introduce yourself and begin just talking, getting yeah. to know people and really not, you know, it's, uh, it's something that some people really run away from. And I, I learned because I had to do it and you know, it was sort of, I had, a, it's part of the job. Um, but then I began, I grew to really enjoy it. Now I think I'm an introverted extrovert or extroverted introvert or whatever they, you know, term is. So after oh, a I person, do, a person. <laughs> yeah. So then after I do that for a few hours, I have to go home, like, you know, pass out on the couch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like I have to recharge because yeah. I, I am not one who um, can live in that extroverted place full time. I just, I can't. But I do enjoy the um, excitement and the uh, sort of mystery of who are these people. It's intense. It's an intense environment. Yeah. To like, yeah, that's cool. And so um, after these shows with Southern Gothic, you know, I, I tend to uh, hang out. You know, we there's the bars there. People are, the audience members are still hanging out on the set in the, you know, where the bar is and stuff. And so after I got out of costume, we'll wander through to like leave and go get food or, you know, or go home. And uh, oftentimes we kind of chill out for a minute and have a whiskey or something before we go home. You know, we just want to like chill for a second, decompress. Yeah. And, um, but rather than just talking to each other, I walk over and start chatting up you know, the audience members and learn, you know, met, that's how I met you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and it, but it's fun because it does, it's like, a, it's, it's in, it's in built in little party, but the power of networking is so important. And so I had really no idea. And I wish I knew what I knew now when I was in my twenties, I so wish, <laughs> but what everyone says that. Also, like, so, so I've been having this uh, revelation with networking as well. And I think for me, it was because I didn't know what I cared about. Like, so as mm-hmm. I've been trying to delve more into um, teaching, Im- using improv as a tool for teaching to non-improvisers to focus on communication, mm-hmm. um, I've been reaching out to all sorts of people and finding new leads through that and making connections. And it feels really cool to speak to people who are like, that sounds awesome. Like yeah. I want, we'd love to have that in our school or let me connect with someone else who'd be interested in it. Um, and it's just been, f- and even with just improv, just meeting new people within the improv community and grabbing drinks with them or doing shows with them and building through that. Like once I finally found something enjoyable to network about, which was because I cared about it, then I'm all about it. Right. I network like a, like a <laughs> mofo now. Cause it's like, uh, I just emailed some dude who I met uh, at this, training to teach improv uh, a year ago um, I met him last summer because he said he had an improviser come coach his family just so they could 
like just do improv as a family for themselves and like just become better communicators and become more in tune with each That's other really and loosen cool. up. That's really cool. What a was, cool idea. I know. Yeah. So like I was like I should he- email him and figure out how he met connected with that person because I would love to like do that. Yeah. That sounds cool. Uh-huh. It's like but I would and it's just like some random dude but it feel it didn't feel it felt good. It like it was coming from like a I wanted to learn more about something and something mm-hmm. I actually cared about. So networking I enjoyed when I was in pharmacy school. I felt like I was just talking to these old pharmacists just because I had to. And it wasn't right. like uh, I, I tell the med students that I do the workshop with, like if there's someone who's doing something in a in your profession that you enjoy, yeah. you should talk to them. And I yeah. think that's what networking is like, as opposed to just like, oh, you're a doctor. Cool. I got to talk to you. It's like, oh, I love the way you speak to your patients. Can we? Right. Yeah. chat and can I l- learn how you are so loose with them and all those things like that for me has been a huge thing which I didn't I just that would go if I told my 20 year old self that he'd be like okay bro I don't care oh yeah, yeah. I don't perform <laughs> like I, right I, I, right right and that is yeah that's the barrier and I feel like that I also thought that too uh it was it wasn't until I had a mission or some sort of thing to share that was exciting or or thought-provoking or you know inspirational that gave me the tool to go and just chat up somebody for no reason and you know without being a salesperson you know you don't just launch into it with that it's more about getting to know them and seeing if you know that's something they'd be interested in hearing about but it was those were more focused and strategic around my work but after a while I just kind of dropped the you know purpose of it and continued with, in my personal life, with the questions of, who are you? What do you do? What are you about? With no, there's no agenda. There's no, no. there's no, I'm going to maybe get a, a contact out of this opportunity, you know, this, this conversation, or this is going to take, I mean, there's no agenda. But I just kind of started to enjoy the process of it. And, and that's where I find, uh, I, I find that I enjoy myself more when I'm, you know, when I am sort of around a bunch of strangers and I have to make the most of it. It actually is quite fun. Yeah. And um, that is, uh, that's an evolution that's happened. Uh, and I, like I said, I think because of my career paths <laughs> uh, that they both have reinforced that in me. You've been like and pushed I, in that direction. Yeah. yeah and yeah, then yeah, and yeah. now I enjoy it. So <laughs> like a mouse to cheese. It's like <laughs> weird. Uh, but I do have friends in, in the show who are like, oh, and you are good at that. You just walk up to them and talk and I'm like, you can do that. Like, yeah. But I don't want to. <laughs> well, like, I just like, see, I really want to. So that's the difference. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. You guys do, because you do, like, there's some nights you do two shows in a row, right? Yes. And like, do, yeah, Saturday and Sunday. So I, I, like, the improv show I do now is 20 minutes. I used to do one for 50 minutes. And like, those things are pretty emotionally taxing. And, mm-hmm. and they're pretty, like, they're a lot looser. Yours is like, yeah. uh, <laughs> ours can be loose and silly, but they're pretty emotionally taxing. And I'm pretty tired. Like, for you to like because i i knew that you, we saw your early show and i knew you had a second show and as you were talking yeah. to us i was like shouldn't you be resting up like i was just like that's cool i love because i love that too like after yeah. shows i love when people come up and talk to us we had someone right. at last friday uh like this family from boise was in town and one of their like someone lives in chicago and then they were like thank you so much that was really cool and one lady said that was like really therapeutic to watch and i was like that feels so damn good and it's really nice and i thought it was really cool that you guys did that because like that uh 
you're not like when you go to see a big play you're not meeting the performers really i don't think like you guys were just like yeah. hanging out and one guy was just lying on the couch uh <laughs> i forgot what character he played but yeah it's probably uh, charles he's <laughs> the person who played charles oh okay yeah, yeah uh, it's probably him because he likes he, he does take naps i was just like my sister often. never looking through the window i was like does he <laughs> we were actually like does he know that this is a set is he allowed to do this but it was really cause, like even um uh, uh, this uh, the, I I actually only know your character's name because I yeah that's all right was reading I, through it earlier yeah. today but there was this other the one character who's the um, he's uh, like kind of a dick and he he's wearing the suit and he's yeah, like kind of verbally and, okay yeah. Um, he, yeah, when he politician. came out yeah very verbally just mm-hmm. very like he's, he's a physically big, and verbally huge. abusive <laughs> yep yep and he's just a big man and it's yeah. just kind of like. Like, I feel like he would make me stand up straighter if I was standing. And he's handsome and just, like, mm-hmm. intimidating. And, like, when he came out, he, in my eyes, looked physically smaller. Like, he's, like, he, and he was just, like, when he was standing next to us, he was just like, hey, thanks for coming out. And I was like. He's the nicest guy. <laughs> it's, I love that. And it's so, so cool. And that's so much fun because he, yeah, doesn't normally get to play these kinds of roles because people don't see that. Yeah. You know, they don't take the leap. But they did for him in this show. And he's just. Really appreciated the opportunity. God, he was. I was. I definitely, definitely. I was like, I don't like you. Yeah. He's like, good. No, it's great. He did exactly (laughs) what he was supposed to do. But it was, yeah. But it was really cool to see that after. And I I love that you guys hang out, and that's kind of fun for the audience to be like, I just saw you, and you're a regular person. That's cool. Yeah, it is cool, and I think that it's extensive. It's an extension of the immersive experience is to now get now you got the actors you know yeah now you get this world behind the scenes or whatever you want to call it but yeah it's um it's also just our path to get out of yeah the <laughs> we shouldn't feel that audience don't feel that special there's no other way for them to we leave. could go out in the alley but you know there are a lot of rats out there so we don't want to deal with that <laughs> rats are horrible they yeah. talk so much <laughs> we talk about uh all kinds of random weird crap in the dressing room and make each other laugh and one of the one of the conversations was about rats you know someone was sharing a fact about you know wearing shoes in the house that there's um a woman that they listen to on npr talking about she's like rat control person and she works for you know whatever streets and sand or something and she was talking about the rats and how you can avoid having rats in your home if you don't wear shoes around the house because there's rat feces and urine and bacteria on the bottom of your shoes that you track throughout your house and attract anyway so they were talking about this so we said we should have a podcast in our dressing room called rat talk yeah and we'll just talk about rats because we all had stories we all after that of course shared stories about rats what was your rat story well let me think what was my rat story because i don't I don't think I have one. Um, I had something, but it wasn't rats. It was... What was it? Yeah, I don't recall. Other people had rat stories. I listened and enjoyed them. (laughs) Equally as important for a podcast is the listener. Yeah. But I always have a story. I always have a story about something stupid and random. And I just can't believe I'm on... 
I'm on the spot now, and I don't have anything. I'll tell you a quick mouse story. I okay. um, a, a few a few months ago, uh, in front of my house, they had um, put uh, they had or in front of this my apartment building, they had replotted the like soil and put the plants and stuff there. Um, and a few mice had decided to make their home just in that little area, <laughs> like thick rat mice type. You know, Ooh. one of those big fat mi- mice that might have been a rat. And so, like in the mornings, I would see them scurry, or when I'd come home, you'd see them scurry. And one. Um, Saturday or afternoon I was going outside and I had flip-flops on and I walked out and two ran across and uh, I took a step and I felt something squishy under my feet and I ran to the corner and I looked back and I had just squished a mouse through flip-flops and I was looking at it and I was like oh no and I watched it and I thought it was dead and then I saw it get up again and it started shaking its head and moving and I was like well I can't I'm going to run away. And so I just ran and my leg felt horrible. And then I came back and it was dead, sadly. But Oh my gosh. So then I, the, they are no longer, the mice are no longer there. They've They're been no cleared there. and okay. then some have been stomped, sadly, to death. And stomped. Others have been rid of in, in a variety of ways. But. I remember I shared a roadkill uh, story where I, I did the AIDS ride back in 1998, I believe, um, when it was 500 miles or 500 and... 50 miles, something like that. This uh, is on a bicycle? Bicycle, yeah. So I, I, I rode my bicycle from Minneapolis to Chicago, basically, in five days. That was the deal. That's what you, you raised money for. It's just like the AIDS walk or, sure. you know, um, sponsored by Tangeray. Uh, there was a lot of um, hoopla around, uh, some controversy around it because they spent so much of the dollar on the uh, ride itself, you know, so a lot went to operations of this thing. And right. so they got, you know, people got, gave them flack for that. And so they eventually stopped doing it. But uh, it was amazing. <laughs> it was quite amazing. And uh, you, you sleep in tents. You set up a tent every night and went out. But anyway, we're, I was day three and it was maybe the longest day. I think we would did, did 101 miles or 103 miles that day. And we were going up and down hills, and it was hot, blazing, blazing hot. And I was like practically standing on the pedals to try and get up a hill. And I was kind of weaving back and forth, and we're on the side of a highway. There's no bike path here. This is just, you know, hope they just pay attention, just don't, you know, and don't get too close to the line because there are people zooming by like 70 miles, 80 miles an hour. So, I'm going up this hill, and I had a friend behind me who did this with me. And uh, and you're supposed to call out behind you to the bike riders behind you if you see a pothole or some ob- obstruction or whatever. I was just so delirious, and I just couldn't. I just I wasn't paying any attention, and so it wasn't until it was right underneath my tire that I realized I was riding over a dead raccoon <laughs> that had been baking in the sun bloated disgusting (laughs) dead raccoon poor thing but oh my god and so went over it and squirted out Mm. all of my leg up my leg and i was like i screamed and then i said roadkill (laughs) and shouted it over my shoulder and my friend behind me just died he was laughing for miles and I started to, I was crying. I was crying out of exhaustion, but I was, I was just, it sent me over the edge. It was like just enough to get me to just collapse. 
but I, you know, kept writing. And then I started laughing about it. But of course, I mean, because it, it's, I mean, that's a story. You know, I was like, I have a story, man. Yeah. <laughs> this is amazing. It's crazy. <laughs> I remember in, in, um, I did some theater out in Montana in college. Uh, so my Between my sophomore uh, and junior year of college. And um, there were, uh, there was a, a town person who had, who was a big supporter of the theater company and they would always host an, a barbecue for the cast uh, that you know every summer they'd do that for the cast and it's this gorgeous big huge they live in what looks like a mountain lodge that's supposed to be like rented out for people to stay in but it's just one family and it's like a huge hearth you know it's like taller than it's like eight feet high yeah you know just amazing huge place and we go to the backyard and we have to go through the kitchen and there are, I go through the kitchen and I catch this out of my corner of my eye, roadkill magnets. Now, I thought that was a joke. No. One of the family members was a taxidermist uh, and thought it was fun to pick up roadkill and turn them into mag- refrigerator magnets. And it was just covered. The whole fridge what, was covered in dead animals. What parts of the, like the actual full body? The full body. How big was this fridge? Oh, what your average size. Yeah. But because it was not surrounded by cabinetry. Oh, they could put it all around. <laughs> and you had to yeah. walk by it to get out the back door. It was like the back door is right there. Yeah. So you're practically touching all the... I mean, it's fine, but, you know, I'm not that squeamish. I just was so... I just thought that's that's just, that'll never go away. That's baked in. That's my in your head. Brain for the rest of my life. That's how you burst that burst personal your- <laughs> bubble. It's like yeah, there are people out there that do that roadkill and put it on their fridge where they keep their regular food and it's no problem. <laughs> their raccoon might have been too big, but I, I could see it on their wall though, man. There was a was we crazy. we had a, a when I was living at home. I think this was still in high school. Um, um, my dad went to go throw out the garbage. And uh, he went into the back in the wintertime and he came back. He goes, come here. And I go and there is a squirrel, half of its body in the garbage can and the other half outside of the garbage can. And it was frozen to death. It must have like overnight got stuck and somehow Mm -hmm. whatever happened, it just stayed there. And so then we both looked at each other and then we went and we got my mother. (laughs) And then my mom came out. Uh, She's just the gangster of the house. And she like (laughs) sawed around as me and my dad are holding this like plastic bag kind of like scared just like un, like because un, i like my stupid brain was like this thing's about to come alive yeah because it just looked like just looked like a squirrel just who happened to be yeah. squished down the middle that did not go on a refrigerator that went into the garbage can <laughs> That is awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Did you um do like have you been acting since you were a child or performing since you were a kid? Um no, I really got into it when I was in high school. Um we talked about this a little bit offline, but uh high school. Um I went to Lane Tech High School here in Chicago. I grew up in Chicago. Well, I grew up in the suburbs, then the Chicago. Uh, I moved to Chicago when I was about twelve years old and grew up here till I went to college. But Basically, I went to um, Lane Tech for a couple years, and it was a huge strike my sophomore year, and uh, me the teachers were on strike for maybe a month. And so that really prompted my father to lose patience. Uh, he grew up 
going to Catholic or parochial, you know, private schools uh, out in um, Niles. And so he, you know, felt like it was no big deal. You know, I'll just put her in. I'm just going to have to pay tuition and I'm just going to bite the bullet and do it because she can't, you know, lose any more uh, classes. She can't, she can't, she's got to, you know, keep her grades up, blah, blah, blah. So he was worried about all that. So he sent me to Mother Garen High School, which is now called Garen Prep, up on Belmont and uh, between Harlem and Coverland. So it's outside the city limits in River Grove, but you can take the Belmont bus there. So that's what I did. I just took the Belmont bus. And they had a theater program. And they actually built it into your uh, English lit courses. You could choose it as one, uh, one of your English literature courses. Cool. So I chose theater. Uh, it was like theater literature or, or dramatic literature or something like that. And so in class, you know, uh, we would read plays and talk about them. And then the teacher, um, I believe her name was Miss Mackey. She says, yeah. And she would, uh, you know, have us occasionally do little pieces, performances, little monologues and stuff like that and help us uh, break it down. You know, like how do you break down a a piece uh, that you're going to perform how do you digest it? How do you, in college, we called it scoring the script, but it's that idea of analyzing your script and putting verbs, actions to various words, phrases that you're saying, things that you're saying. What do you want? What are you trying to do? What are you doing here? So like dissecting, Make, like... You're really, really analyzing it so that you you can replace whatever sort of preconceived notion you have or the quick knee-jerk assumption of, I've got to cry here. Oh, I've got to laugh here. It's all reactionary. Yeah. Take that all that stuff out of your head and replace it with action, verbs, and be very um, thoughtful about that. And all those things should roll up to your super objective, which is what do you, what does your character want at the beginning of the play? And what are they getting or walking out with by the end of the play? And so that idea of everything rolling up. So anyway, I got a lot out of just that couple semesters of dramatic literature. And then I was too scared because I came came in uh, midway through sophomore year. So I was a little nervous about um, auditioning for anything. I had never done that before. And I... Uh, my science teacher said, you need to audition for the spring musical. And I was like, I just don't, I don't think, no. And I'm in choir class, but you know, like I, I sang at home privately. I didn't go out and perform, you know, like this was, so I had not put myself out there like that. And I was a little too nervous to do that my first week there. You know, I, all the girls had already found their cliques and their groups and their friends. And I was trying to navigate just where my classrooms were, yeah. you know? And I was like, I don't need more on top of this right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know. I, I like, I'm the kind of person who likes to sit in the back and like, or not in the back of the room, but just kind of sit back and watch before I jump into something. That was my MO. I'm better about not being that way now, but back then that was definitely me. Yeah. And so I procrastinated and I didn't do it. So she checks in with me the next week and she's like, Anne, come on. 
fun, you know, like you have to meet people. And I'm like, that's not how I meet people. No. I don't put myself out there and <laughs> hang, you know, in front of everybody. Like, I don't even know what's going to come out of my mouth. Like, that's insane. And so she pulls out a flyer and it says, you know, it's Fenwick High School, which is in Oak Park. And this was at the time an all boys parochial. Now it's co-ed. Just about everything's co-ed now. A lot of them have gone co-ed. And, uh, and she wrote out a bus schedule for me. Like you got to take this bus to this bus and then you walk three blocks and you're there, blah, blah, blah. So I, 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 yeah, I just, I'm making it up. She had something with buck teeth and she, she was very sweet. Like had to have been 73 years old at the time and, uh, was a nun and she had, but she, she didn't wear the full habit. She wore some just layman's clothes, but very, very, you know pressed yeah and uh sweet sweet woman and she uh gave me this flyer and said you need to go and so i did and uh i auditioned for guys and dolls and i had to sing a song so i sang part of what we were singing in choir which was food glorious food from (laughs) oliver uh it's like yeah uh, some people might know that food glorious food i don't know the words anymore but uh it is you know, not the best audition song, but whatever. I could show that I could carry a tune. And they cast me. And so that was sort of the beginning. I then create, you know, developed a, a, a bunch of relationships of friends there. And I didn't want to do shows at Mother Garen. Uh, and so then they were like, come back and audition for us now. And I was like, I'm already in a show. <laughs> it conflicts. And <laughs> I was doing musicals and plays uh, in Oak Park, taking two buses uh, to get there after school, five nights a week. Uh, it was a lot, you know, but I, I did that for high school and then throughout high school and figured out that that's what I wanted to pursue. And I went to college. I just, I went to a state school. I wanted to go to like DePaul or uh, something like that in, in Chicago where it, you know, they have a really great theater programs yeah. very uh connect well connected and networked but my parents were like we can't afford that you won't have student debt if you go to a state school right you will if you go to one of these it's your choice and you will have to live at home and i was like i'm out <laughs> i feel like that's the bigger like, i'm out yeah the live yeah. at home well, okay at home? no no i'm gone <laughs> yeah okay so um, I'm glad I did. I mean, there are pros and cons. There are definitely some cons to not being in an urban environment where the art is being made, where the opportunities are being done, where your your teachers are 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 actually out there, you know, directing plays, like active uh, in and the community. actively in the community. There is something to that. <laughs> where did you go to college? I went to Western Illinois University and got my BA in theater, okay. comprehensive in acting. Cool. And um, and and it was, but it was really, uh, a, a, I would say, more of a well-rounded experience for me doing it that way. So, I just I got a lot of stage time. I was I was auditioning against grad students, you know, for the same role. Cool. And it was, um, uh, I thought, really. Uh, a good a good experience for me, and it gave me a lot of opportunity to uh, to fail and and in a in a controlled and safe environment. You know, I think about that with uh, improv too a lot. Of just like mm-hmm. that, like I was uh, very school just came pretty easy. 
yeah. for me. Like it wasn't uh, not that I did study or any of that, but it was just like I didn't really know what it was like to fail. Uh, like uh, um, my friends who've known me since I was a kid, like remember one of my friends still remember this. My parents grounded me kind of because I got a B on my report card like when yeah. I was in fifth grade. Uh, and it was like a three hour grounding. It wasn't really anything that serious, but it was just like this environment, like anything less than excellent was a failure. And so then my brain, this sort of idea of failure was like uh, not, it was a bad thing. And and through sort of performancey type stuff where like you said, like you fail in a safe environment around mm-hmm. people who are there to help you and you trust and you love. And it begins to reshape that relationship with failure too, of just like, yeah. Yeah, it's fine, we're all gonna like screw up and this is how you survive yeah and it's it's crazy like not even crazy i mean i understand sort of where my parents came from like they i I get this opportunity to be in school and learn in america or whatever and so like anything less than excellent was uh a negative but it's also like i don't know if that's the greatest mentality it like i think that for me, like, it, it can become kind of stifling, like, in an environment where there's no opportunity to fail. Like, yeah. anything other than exactly what you want is, or, like, anything other than sort of perfect is bad is, uh, that's not a, you right. can't explore. Because exploration is like, hey, I don't really know if this works, but what do you think? Right. No? Cool. Let's try a new thing. Yeah. But if if you were like, uh, no, that's wrong. You're fired. Like, there's how am I gonna be comfortable enough to explore? Yeah. And that's that whole that whole shift with failure has been huge. And I, I love that. That's cool. Yeah, to hear. I mean, I, quite honestly, it's the only way I've had the nerve to I'm to to inhabit you know such a large, larger than life character and just go balls to the walls with it is because I've been I've gone through the the experience of of failing safely and coming out the other side and realizing that that was part of the process of learning and you build on that and there's just no way to be to reach perfection i mean the only possibility of reaching what is perceived as perfection in my in my view is by failing yeah has your has a uh, your character like I assume it's uh, grown a little bit in the time, or you as you've gotten a better feel for her with each show. I'm sure it tweaked and adjusted and, and, and grown, I guess. Yeah, well, that, I, there know, was a, there was a question mark at no, the end, of I it, get, not a I, statement. I know what you're asking. Yeah, um, I feel like she's just uh, you know, it's like I'm not thinking as much anymore. So there is a sense of like, she's just kind of coming out. And yeah. sometimes I realize I'm, or feel like I'm not doing enough. And then I realize, oh, that's because you're not thinking. And that's actually a good thing. But the sensation is bad. <laughs> you just feel less in control or you feel uh, less, I don't know, less engaged because you don't have this um, outside eye critic watching the whole time on top of everything you're doing. So once that critic starts to kind of go away, you really do find yourself just riding a wave and by the all of a sudden the show's over and you're like, ooh, what happened? Yeah. Um, so that's, that's cool. kind of more the experience now. I, I have, uh, I feel so comfortable with her that I don't even 
you know, I don't think about it. That's the best way I No, that's yeah, amazing. I've, when I've tried to describe, know. like, um, uh, just improv stuff, like, uh, uh, the, the idea of... Um, uh, possessions and like people who are possessed either in like when you'd watch church videos on tv or like the like the the mask like those native american cultures that wear masks and i remember kind of thinking like that is crazy mm-hmm. like what the hell is happening and as i started to dabble more and more into this and i was uh talking to a, a buddy of mine uh we're working on uh helping me create a website um yeah. and just like we did this pr- interesting exercise where we just we're talking about words that i think about when i think about myself and performance and all these and one of the things i was telling him about is um like channeling spirits and he like read it and he was like what the hell are you talking about i was like when you get into this flow of a a character and you are uh way you probably understand this way better than i do but like for me it's like there are times where i genuinely feel like i am not the one actively choosing these words this character is now the person that's in control and the words are coming out at the the when 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 we hear it i am also hearing it yes i just like it's it the is the best a, feeling that's the hope is to get into yeah. that state where that i'm not zone <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. where i don't have to think and the stuff's just happening and it feels great and like it's just right. this ridiculous feeling of yeah, I'm not the one dictating the words that are happening in this scene. It is this character. It is so, yeah, even though, yeah, in improv, that is absolutely true, right? Because you're, you are, it's not scripted. So that's even more of a feat to get to that place, I think. And in, in a scripted production, you, you get to that place even though it's scripted, which is weird. That's wild. It's totally wild, but you do because there's a, your mouth is just moving and you want you you ha- you're focused on what you want and you're and you're going through the experience in the moment and it's it truly can become spontaneous even though everything you're saying yeah. is something you've it's written down and you've memorized at some point that's uh it's it's tr- it's a it's a really cool experience to get there and not every every show or every character or everything gets you there. It's like you, sometimes you're there. Sometimes you're just kind of, you know, really just muscling through. Yeah. And um, you get close. So you don't quite reach it. It's fun because there isn't the promise that you're going to hit it every time. It, you really have to um, uh, work at it and then let go. Yeah. I think that, yeah, totally. Did you... um? Did you? How did you research this character? Like, how did you? Because you said it's kind of different from you. Like, yeah, it's not she is different from me. But you know, she reminded me of different people, or I mm-hmm. had a sense. I didn't focus too much on anybody because I didn't want her to. I didn't want to begin to actually try to uh, mimic or, you know, I didn't want to do that. Like a I, caricature yeah, of another person. Exactly. I didn't yeah. want to take people's someone else's mannerisms or do something someone else did. But I let other um, images of people that I've seen or characters I've seen done influence my inter, inter- help me inter- interpret what I was doing because and the Southern dialect, you know, this Atlanta Georgia dialect is also really helpful. I love dialects because they are like masks in some ways. They do kind of give you this extra layer of character before you even, you know, are out of the 
gate, you know, you're just, you immediately have something to work with that feels different in your mouth. And it's just, you have something tangible to hold on to. And eventually it does kind of absorb into you. But in the beginning, it's, it's an obstacle because you're worried about the dialect while you're worried about the word, while yeah. you're worried about the memorization. Um, but eventually when it comes together, it's like this, it, it becomes gelled together like one picture. Yeah. And uh, it makes that so much, in some ways, easier to just l- turn it on and launch into it because th- there's a there's a whole different, you know, uh, it's like its own fingerprint. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I, I you know, I have, uh, there are moments of the words or the way she says things that remind me in some ways of Carol Burnett uh, as the character in Mama's Family. She's kind of ridiculous, very in her own world, in her own bubble, um, kind pretty self-centered, pretty selfish, uh, uh, very sensitive, has um, high expectations uh, for her of of other people around her yeah. to to give her what she needs, and then is quick to blame them for the thing for her for her set for her you know disappointment. Um, and so there's things that are very similar about her and she makes me laugh. She freaking makes me laugh. And I think that there's so much humor in what they wrote down for me. So I, or for, for Suzanne, not for me. Um, and the same goes, I, there are people who are saying they, I remind them of Shirley MacLaine in, I don't remember which film, but, um, Shirley MacLaine has played probably similar role in a few different films. Oh, I would say Steel Magnolias. That's probably the one someone mentioned. I've had that few people mention that to me. And she wasn't necessarily in the forefront of my mind, but she certainly is back there hanging out. I can, I can see that. I can see that coming out. Um, But it's that level of, of, of complete and total unawareness in a person that's uh, manifested in this sort of comical way. Yeah. Uh, those kinds of characters have been done and they're there kind of floating around in, in my head. Yeah. And they kind of, I take inspiration from them. But, I, I love yeah. the way performers like talk about like, it's it's like, uh, I had another friend do this too. I had a friend, uh, she came on and she would, we, she has this like vagina she has this vagina puppet character that she does she goes on stage uh and is a vagina puppet that and she awesome. when she would describe uh her name's Olympia when she would describe her she would like oh, I listened to that one. Oh, yes I did I I'm so sorry I I just realized that like I listened to half of it a while ago and the other half more recently I and and I forgot about the puppet there's a I, I, thank you for listening. I'm, I'm anytime anyone ever says they listen, it's awesome, and I really appreciate that. Um, uh, <laughs> it's it. She also kind of talks about the the vagina puppet in this like um, as its own uh, being. Yeah, uh, and I think it's really interesting because even the way you describe Suzanne is like she does this and she does this, and it's like it's really cool that like something about that is very interesting. And I don't know if that makes sense to a lot of people that it's like this yeah. is this it, Suzanne is her own sort of thing and person with her own feelings and backstory and emotion and all Absolutely, of that. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I don't go through the trouble really to paint a lot of backstory on characters, you know. Um, I try to use what's in front of me, but, you know, I, use, I, I paint as much as I, you know, the minimum of what I need. 
uh, I don't know why I don't feel the need to go further than that, but I don't. But but it is, um, uh, you know, some characters you just kind of know them. You don't know why. You just kind of know them, but they're not you. Mm. It's it's interesting. You just you know you're just familiar with that person. Yeah. Maybe they're in your family, or maybe you know. Yeah. But it's it definitely um, you know like. Not everybody is as different from me as Suzanne might feel. Um, and the next, I'm the, I'm going to be doing something in the spring with Straw Dog again, uh, a play that they are uh, premiering. I think it's a Midwest premiere of a new play called Welcome to Keene, New Hampshire. And it's a satire. I would call it a satire. Uh, it, it's definitely more of a modern uh, or more, you know, today. Uh, and I... I don't know who she is yet. You know, she's a mom. She's struggling with her, uh, with her daughter, uh, deciding that she's uh, uh, non non-binary, and so she's trying to get you. Well, she's fighting against actually getting used to the idea of calling her daughter by a different name and have and 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 not using she her hers anymore all of that is just something she can't get her head around or Uh. accept so i know that much about her i you know i have to do some more thinking about this and read the script a bunch of times and really ruminate on it to figure out how i'm going to connect with her what what are my inroads to connecting with her who is this person so besides her challenges besides her acting out how she's behaving here who is she because that's the the key um it's kind of like cl- finding like what you're gonna do with it well i think that also know? it sounds like that's the like that's the difference between just reading reading lines mm-hmm. and being that person and making us believe you are that person to then like in Southern Gothic at the end, getting us to sort of tear up with some stuff, like really sort of making us forget that we're watching someone acting and make us feel like we're watching someone be that person. Like my, my, um, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say that, you know, Many of the acting teachers I've had, that's kind of what they get at is that acting is not acting. It's yeah. doing. It's being. Yeah. It's just doing it, saying the words and doing it. Um, so, you know, that's the key so that you're not feeling like I'm acting. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that before I started taking improv. I didn't know that I was about to enter into a world of acting. I just kind of went into a class and had seen whose line is it anyway not even knowing what i was gonna do is not what whose line is it anyway is it's long form improv it's very different very much very, yeah. it's just a different it's a different art form and had none of that and then realizing like oh this is we're acting on stage and so yeah. now i'm uh realizing that uh like i want to take some acting classes in the future to be take it better be better on stage because while the goal with improv is laughs i for me the goal is more make you feel the audience i want to be able to like and that's what you guys are doing like i i 
I've already gotten a little taste of it and we can get people to laugh or just even say like, oh, like I get to joystick control your emotions and, and I want to learn how to be better at that. And that means acting like it's not about just saying funny stuff. It's about emoting and, and sort of diving into like, why is this character saying the words that they're saying? Yeah. What's the sort of juice behind that? Yeah. That I'm trying to tap into more and more and more. There's a cool exercise. I think I'm about to do next week with these uh, th- these med students called gibberish translator, which is uh-huh. basically just like having them understand how emotions are very important regardless of the words that you're saying. So the, basically they don't have lines. Their lines are gibberish and they're awesome. supposed to emote um, and, and kind of tune into that. Like your the, the feeling behind the words that you say are um, much more important than the words that you're saying or yeah. hold value maybe not much more important, but they there's a lot of important to the there's uh, important information there yeah exactly and and, and are these students uh, these are people who are becoming pharmacists or is this they are uh, going or, to be physicians physicians yeah i mean doctors. they're you know that's nine tenths of their bedside manner is going to be based on their soft skills and ability to uh uh take in that information and interpret it while they're listening to the words at the same time and really read the subtext to like, and that's, you know, it's all about, that's what it's all about. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, you know, when you're in medical school, uh, you know, you're dedicated to a career in, in healthcare, uh, you, you have to be really one trek minded about your education, your world. I mean, you have to be so focused on that. that there isn't really a lot of time to, force yourself out of your comfort zones and make you feel uh make you better at the soft skills if you're not already innately decent at that or Uh you didn't come up in a family that brought that out of you or taught you that because i i'm sure people feel you know there some are better than others and it's probably how they're brought up or the world they were brought up in or Mm -hmm. their friends or you know close network as kids that kind of thing but but it's like it's a learned skill too and um, I think it's so great that what you're doing, how you're translating, how you're using improv to help physicians be better at their job. Sorry, I. It does sound something. like there's a scratch at the door, like someone, like a dog. Uh, the sticker that said "Take a photo" just fell down. Oh, that's the only. Oh. It's not. There is. I not really a, thought you know what it, it sounded like. Yeah. Some, some like little animal. A little was, scratching at our. There is. I'm trying to think. <laughs> I think there's a there's the the lady who left it used to have three dogs and one of them was terrible from the moment i moved into this building i was we, we were moving up the back steps and uh the dog was just staring out the window growling at me and every time i would see him when he was outside he would like kind of run towards me he was a little um what kind of dog was he the little uh do you watch modern family no french bulldog french bulldog oh i love those yeah he's one of those and he was an a-hole and so i would pretend (laughs) i would pretend shoot him with a gun every time i would see him because he was a dick oh he didn't understand what you're doing no oh i thought that maybe it was a oh a bit no you know well it was a fun game for me oh yeah yeah he was such a he He would just like growl and just run up at me and he was and then the other yeah and then the other he was young 
And the other two dogs were old and like, this is sad, but they were kind of dying. So they would make these horrendous, like guttural sounds. Uh, it was really a mess. Oh. And the lady who lived with those dogs, all she would do was scream at these dogs because they would just like make so much noise. Like the young one was crazy and the other two are dying with like, oh, with <laughs> patches coming oh off of it. Oh my God. So, she no longer lives in this building. So yeah. that would maybe have been the only dog that would have scratched on my door, but there is no <laughs> door. Um, uh, but but thank you for the for the kind words. I really appreciate that. That's um. <laughs> I was I was auditioning for uh, the Harry Potter uh, uh, play on Broadway. The, the potted Potter. Yeah, the the two parter. You know that's on Broadway right now. I it's, just got an email that said they're coming back. Are oh no no I'm talking about the Broadway production of Harry Potter oh. and the cursed. Bloody blue. Okay, <laughs> I don't know. know these things. Okay, okay, cool. You were auditioning <laughs> for that. Cool. I was auditioning for that in LA last year, last year. And um, I stayed at a an Airbnb where I was just in a bedroom of an apartment that was in uh, NoHo, right? It was just like I wanted something cheap, close to a friend of mine who who, you know, I wanted to hang out with and just where I could get close, where I was close to this, this studio where the auditions were being held and I wouldn't have to, I could practically walk there cool. from this place. So I was like, cool. I'm just, you know, uh, I'm in a good location. It's cheap. It's quick. I'm just here for the weekend. No big deal. And I, uh, this guy was a, uh, Oh God, what he was a performer too. And he was gone most of the time, like a lot of time. Um, and he uh, had a cat in his bedroom with like the child gate, you know. <laughs> and the cat was dying, like on like, death's door. Oh. Like you know, he was waiting for it to die. He knew it was like the vet said, you know, uh, there's nothing we can do about it. And he didn't yet feel like it. He was ready to take the cat in to put it down. So the cat. Literally was like <laughs> dying. Was he making like horrible and making dead... weird noises? And I kept going over and checking on it, and like trying to pet it over the fence. And and I was like, oh, I'm in his bedroom now. I can't do that. You know, I gotta go back to my bedroom. I gotta get out of here. <laughs> I feel weird, you know. But it was like I felt so bad because this poor animal is just. And I'm like, how's how's your cat? And he's like, oh, she's dying. She's dying. Was that not that was? I assume that wasn't on his Airbnb listing. Like, hey, you can come live with me. My cat's dying. But I whatever. didn't. No, he <laughs> did not disclose that little bit of information. Yeah, yeah. But oh man, I mean, so yeah. Anyway, there's nice. a. I had a um, in uh, uh, like high school or early. Uh, I went to a seventh and eighth grade at Taft High School. Oh um, yeah, that's where I got my driver's ed class oh i took my driver's ed oh very cool yeah Yeah, they did uh they did a seventh and eighth grade program which was kind of like your freshman year of high school Mm -hmm. uh and uh so there were some friends i met there and either i can't remember if it was in either that seventh and eighth grade time or in high school time but anyways we used to go to my friend's house um he always had these new video games his name's thomas he's been on this podcast uh but his parents he would always have like the new sports video games and he had a lot of candy at his house we'd go to his house a lot to play these video games and his bedroom was like upstairs and kind of in a nook or the where we'd play the games was in a nook so it was like our 
little den. But one time we went over and he used to have two cats and a dog and his family didn't used to have this one really really big fat cat and so the cat was just kind of around you know lying around not doing very much and one day we went to his house we like this cat was by the steps and we walked up and we said what's up cat and then we went up to his bedroom and then um uh, his mom called him downstairs and then he just didn't come up for like two hours and so me and my buddy are still playing video games the whole time never at any point going down to check on our friend and he comes back up later and he was like uh yeah my cat just died oh my god <laughs> we're like oh damn we must have stepped over your oh. death <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry, laughing but no it's like know, it, it is what like... it is <laughs> yeah it was definitely <laughs> awkward a little bit. Yeah, it was a <laughs> Yeah, it was the fattest cat I've ever seen in my oh, life. Oh man. Well, and guy. that was why you thought it wasn't dead. He was he's just, just a fat lazy, and lazy. Yeah, that's just his yeah. life. We were like whatever, he's just always you kinda just like walk over him. They were nice cats, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was a Oh <laughs> yeah. It's God. I had two cats for a long time, seventeen, eighteen years old, before they passed naturally and seventeen. Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, you can for... live that long, right? Yeah. Um, and then I took a break. And now I have a dog, and I love that thing. What kind so of dog cute. Do you have? He's a mutt. He's a beagle mix, like a beagle lab and collie or something. He's got the collie coloring. Like he's all black with like a white chest and a white paws, white tip on the tail, yeah, white piece on the nose. You know, like looks like a border collie without the long hair. You know, and is adorable. And aloof. I mean, could give a shit about <laughs> me at all. No, that's not true. But when I walk in the door, he's pretty happy I'm there. When I'm eating, he's pretty happy. But everything in between, it's like, <laughs> yeah. He'll, he'll, uh, <laughs> but he's so cute. I'll maybe, send him this I, episode. Maybe he'll be, he yeah. be my first dog listener. I feel like he's like a cat, you know? He has that same aloofness as a cat, but he's in a dog form yeah i don't know how that happened but he's so cute and he tolerates me isn't that isn't that love right there you dress him up around the house in october i always order a a, one of those crazy dog costumes and just see if i can you know what what can i pull off i i dress him up as a ups man (laughs) it's pretty awesome nice this year but he's been bob dylan he's been uh he's been uh, darth vader Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And he just stares at me on the camera like, please, this is hell. When's this coming off my body? But he tolerates it. <laughs> but he just... tolerates it, yeah. I think that's love. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's... <laughs> we do photo shoots, and then I take it off of him. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> oh, yeah. That's yeah. funny. Um, I think we're at a good stopping point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but we get to the photo shoots, it... it, it, it <laughs> conversation killer <laughs> no no i think people take no. photos of their i think we it's a did, beautiful uh, thing uh, yes. i love when people dress dogs up it makes me laugh <laughs> so much i love it so much <laughs> um do you have like a social media or anything that you'd like to promote oh, yeah. about um, yourself let's see well the play coming up in the spring at straw dog theater company what's called that play again? welcome to keen new jersey new, new jersey oh well God, I hope they're going to be looking for that, that and <laughs> no, not find no. it. welcome to keen new hampshire they're going to think you're a liar like your dad <laughs> it does um it does have some basis of 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 truth in it there is a real story that 
uh, inspired this play about people uh, protesting the meter readers in this town. If you Google it or look it up on YouTube, you'll find um, this group of protest or activists who were against basically the tickets being given to parking tickets uh, in this town of, of Keene, New Hampshire. So just look it up. It's ridiculous. There's a whole thing. I think, um, uh, 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 oh, what's his name? What's his name? Satirist. Uh, I saw him at the Chicago Theater. Uh, British uh, has his own show, like, on Comedy Central or... Ah! Why? Why? Can't remember. Anyway. He's British and he has his own show on Comedy Central? Yeah, and he's... You know, it's all about politics. It's all about the news. John Oliver. John Oliver. Okay, so John Oliver actually covered this in one of his episodes. Oh, cool. Okay, so anyway, that's... uh, This play is based on that. Sweet. It's kind of a jumping off point and it's throughout the show. And um, so that should be fun. I think it's going to open sometime in March, maybe April, early April, and run through May. Uh, in between, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, I do volunteer my time casting and putting together productions to support different nonprofits in Chicago who are doing good work in the face of uh, some of the I, I would say eroding democracy that's going on in our country. So like the AC, ACLU or the NRDC, but also like organizations like Build Chicago, uh, which is uh, the next one coming up. And we do these uh, uh, basically evenings of moth-like storytelling and music. Uh, all actors were basically using their talents to help fundraise for these organizations who are doing good work that help uh, address uh, social justice uh, issues, uh, people who are the most vulnerable and maybe feel the most under attack under this current administration. Uh, and so that came out of the 2016 election as a friend who said, who's in with this idea of just putting together these things uh, every month? So we started doing it every month. Now we do it like every quarter. Cool. <laughs> we learned our lesson that every month was a lot. Uh, yeah, and uh, I've also pulled together through the same, it's called Chicago Actors Call to Action, is what it's called. Cool. So taking actors and, and allowing them to use their channel, their talent through, uh, and utilize it as an, a sort of a, a form of activism. And um, we're doing this on November 4th at the Uncommon Ground on Devon Avenue. So cool. it's the Edgewater location of Sweet. Uncommon Ground. So that will be great, and, and that starts at 7.30. And uh, it's just like an hour and a half. It's, it's a short evening, but it's, uh, you can drink and eat while you're watching the show. And it's all around the mission of the organization that's being supported, and someone from that organization is there to talk about it. So you learn a lot about that organization and how you can get involved and how you can support them while also knowing that your ticket is going directly to them. Cool, and you do sale. and you do that show every we quarter. Do every quarter or okay. so, yeah. So Where this they, is the like, last one of the year. Okay, and then we'll start up again next year. We haven't figured out our dates next year, cool. but we'll we'll figure it out. Um, we'll probably do this through the twenty twenty election. That's our goal, and then maybe we'll dissolve it. Who knows? Yeah, 
we'll see where how angry we are. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because for me, anyway, I needed to channel that frustration and sense of hopelessness and helplessness through something productive. And so I raised my hand when someone came up with the idea and and uh there were four of us who uh sort of have stayed with this and 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 basically hold it together yeah sometimes we're in the shows but really we don't participate as as actors in them because we want it to be celebrating other people um we're just organizing them but uh but yeah so november 4th and then yeah i'm teaching at northwestern and i guess i'll promote it because Anybody can take these classes. They are um, at the School of Professional Studies. Uh, I teach major gift fundraising every Monday uh, for the fall course, which is happening right now. But, uh, you know, um, they have a certificate program for nonprofit management. And this is one of the courses that can, you know, that rolls up to that. But you don't have to, you know be working toward your certificate you can just take a course in uh in any area of fundraising uh and development that they offer and this is just one of them but it's been uh my this is my first time doing this so it's been exciting and scary and like we talked about earlier something that i'm uh doing to you know like i'm it's a thrill and i'm overcoming that you know, a little bit of fear of like, I've never done this before. How do I shape what I know into a course yeah. versus a workshop or, you know, a, you know, a little consultation or something. Right. So it's like, yeah. You're just entering a, into that unknown and entering into the seeing unknown. what happens, so, trusting what you have and being like, yeah, whatever, it'll yes, be fine and great. Yes. Yeah. Cool. And I have one more thing, an album that I've recorded uh, back, I don't know, 2015, 2014, I don't know what it was, but it's, an, it's, a, ho- it's a holiday slash winter uh, album with a group that I sang with. We sang together for 20 years called Foiled Again. We're a trio. We um, performed all around you know, Chicago. We did space uh, every year, Evanston Space, uh, for a holiday show uh but that's really more winter moody stuff uh a little less uh holiday but some in there anyway as we get on the holiday season i'll encourage people to check it out on spotify or itunes or you know whatever cool yeah it's called blanket of winter uh foiled again sweet yeah awesome Right. And thank you so much. Yeah, this thank, was awesome. you. thank you. Thank you really so much. It's it. so nice to meet you. Likewise. Like again, but again, a yes. lot more. This yeah. Time. Yeah. Be, if I this just was... talked to you for two hours after your show, you'd probably at some point have to be like, hey, uh, I need to. I need to eat. Well, I need, I need to, to eat. do the show again. I need to go. I need to go. Yeah. The show's started. People are watching our. You know, what I actually thought uh, would be fun uh, is if I did an immersive podcast where I just had people come in and stand on the sidelines and watch yeah. as we do this podcast. That's not a bad, you know. <laughs> I think I that think just, podcasts, some podcasts do that. Yeah. I think it's just a live podcast. It's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would be true. Yeah. I think it's true. We'd have to have people sit around the table and eating snacks off of our table yeah exactly we didn't even us. talk about that part <laughs> that you get free food in this show oh yeah drinks, you get free food you know. and drinks well i guess you do pay for it if you buy the ticket so, yeah but yeah. it's when but, it's you know, still it's when, it. when it's on the table it feels like it's free um <laughs> thank you so much thank you